Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Okay, a few things to get to here right at the top before I get into a couple other stories a little more in depth. First of all, on BitChute, and I will link this in the description below, there's an excellent 30-minute or so documentary on the fake shooting in Texas. And it's very well done, very quick, uh, sort of quickly put together, but it, but it still shows the perfect back and forth between crisis actors and real individuals who are experiencing grief. And within this particular documentary, so to speak, the individual, again, does a very nice job of showing at the bottom of the screen the fake parents in Texas, and then he ends up uh, sort of backtracking to previous episodes like the Sandy Hook charade and all of that, and showing them as well, showing them laughing and smiling, and more importantly, he hones in on the fact that none of them are creating any tears whatsoever, that none of them are crying. But then again, like I said, he shows excellent footage uh, that, that proves that grief, real actual grief from an actual death of someone, is remarkably authentic, as opposed to, again, all of the crisis actors, including, I might add, the very news anchors themselves. Again, at least two news anchors from ABC ended up making their way down to Texas. One of them was Amy Rohrbach, and then the other was the host of the ABC Nightly News Show. And there were others as well, of course, from multiple news stations, but it's all just fake crying. None of them are actually pulling up any tears whatsoever. It's incredible. And again, what's interesting about the documentary, and it sort of is a, a thread that sort of runs through the entire thing, is that the guy who put it together is talking with a law enforcement officer that he's either friends with or knows, and he ends up asking him, hey, look, this particular situation, what would have been done in this particular situation, you know, is this normal, you know, because they did this, does that sound normal? Again, he asks him a lot of questions about identifying the bodies and who's allowed to do that and how does that happen in XYZ. Um, what's interesting, of course, throughout the documentary is he ends up asking the guy consistently, hey, look, is it okay if I show you this documentary when it's done and, and you give it a watch? And he goes, yeah, I'll watch it, no doubt about it. And then at the end, and I'm going to kind of spoil it here, but at the end of the, of, of the documentary, which again proves it beyond a doubt that it was just crisis actors, is that the response that he received back from his law enforcement buddy was that he was ashamed and that he should, uh, and, and that the guy who made it should be ashamed for making the documentary. So even with all of that proof of the crisis actors, and reaching back through history and showing some of the previous, you know, previous examples, again, from Sandy Hook and a few other things, I think. Um, e even that law enforcement officer wasn't willing to change his mind that it was an actual shooting, that people actually died. See, that right there is the trick. That right there is the entire hook and the entire point is that when the vast majority of these people in these stories that are, again, complete scripts that are fabricated from the word go, years in advance, I might add. I mean, they plan this out years and years in advance. That if the vast majority of the quote-unquote victims are kids, then no one is ever going to question that. Because again, how dare you make fun of, of uh, dead children or say that dead children 
um, you know, being shot in a school is something that, you know, that didn't happen or wouldn't happen or whatever. Uh, Again, that's the part that people have to get past. Once you get past that and you start to look at things objectively, you're going to notice again a constant pattern of behavior among these people. And they're evil, evil people that do this and script these things and carry them out. But um, once you get past it, then you, again, the next time it happens, which again, this was nine years since Sandy Hook. So it may be another nine, ten years before something like this again occurs. Although it feels like things are sort of ramping up, in particular regarding the Second Amendment and trying to get guns out of our hands and have people, you know, destroy their own guns and whatever else. And again, there was a lot of footage of that out there, too. And those people were probably actors also. I mean, technically. Um, Again, who would film themselves destroying one of their own guns? Wouldn't you just want to sell it and get the money back? It's like, do what I do. I made a video about destroying my AR-15 and, you know, melting it and taking apart my pistol and melting it and blah, blah, blah. It it just blows me away that people would, again, follow the leader, so to speak, when it comes to social events like this. It's, It's rather embarrassing. But anyway, I will include a link to that documentary in the description below. Very worth watching. Certainly something you could send someone who is questioning the whole thing or heck just send it uh send it to a family member or a friend who who actually bought into it and thought it was real you know throw them for a loop see what happens uh that's the first thing that I wanted to just briefly mention here the second thing was this amazing polly i'm a huge fan of hers highly recommend watching all of her videos uh on bitchute that's where i tend to watch her And in her last video, she described a story back in 2017 from a St. Louis University professor who was killed. They, of course, covered it up, the university, or at least the the people who were responsible for, um, for causing the death or reporting on the death. But they ended up, she basically does a very good job of diving into what, how, and why this individual ended up dying. And it was uh, Professor Mark Buller, if I'm saying his last name correct. And again, he died in 2017 because, again, he called out the monkeypox nonsense. And he basically, again, said, it's not, it's not a big deal. Um, hardly anyone dies from it. It's remarkably mild and X, Y, Z. So the, the, the only comment I wanted to make about that, and again, I highly recommend you go and watch it, but um, if someone believes excuse me, that a K-12 school or a university, in particular a Jesuit university, as St. Louis University is, would not kill one of their own employees to keep things under wraps. I assure you that that is, that that's a very real thing, that that, that they would do that. And again, a lot of people wouldn't necessarily consider K-12 schools as having, you know, quote-unquote hitmen or somebody uh, in the interest of trying to keep someone quiet using some sort of intimidation tactic. And I'm just here to tell you that they, they do. Uh, K-12 schools and universities have a very uh, nefarious playbook, I'll put it that way when it comes to silencing people. And if they don't just flat out kill them, 
which again, unfortunately, in this case, it certainly seemed to be the case. They again will do whatever they have to do to smear an individual so that in the future, no one takes them seriously. Um, I'm speaking from some personal experience here, but the investigators, again, who work for school districts, much like HR departments, and they, of course, work with hand-in-hand HR departments, these investigators that, again, investigate staff issues or student issues, they are not interested in the right thing being done. They are interested in, no matter what, protecting the image and status of that school and the people who work within. That's just what they do. And this is, again, something that is very, very real. Um, I recall, again, in my own whistleblowing experience, the investigator doing whatever he could do to intimidate me over the phone with a variety of um, voice messages. that were intimidating to say the least. He would yell at me in these voice messages. He would say, you know, I remember one in particular, uh, he was, he was screaming that I was supposed to have my phone on me all the time, that he had told me to do that. And that if I, uh, if he ever called from a particular number, which he gave me the number, he said, so if you recognize this number, you'd better pick up and you know, all this other stuff. Well, there was one particular time I didn't pick up the phone because I didn't have my phone on me. Not to mention, I probably wouldn't have picked it up anyway. But uh, but he left a very intimidating message on my phone. He wanted me to meet him in a parking lot at six at night, uh, and it was October, so it was kind of darker out. But uh, yeah, that was that was weird to say the least. He said that he wanted me to sign more papers and more gag orders and things like that, non disclosure agreements. Um, but he wanted to meet me again in a, in a vacant parking lot and, and sign papers. Um, who does that? I mean, what, what kind of a person actually does that? So, again, you've heard my whistleblowing stories before uh, regarding my situation in southwest Florida, which, again, was remarkably interesting, to say the least. I r- wrote a book about it, as rough of a book as it is. But um, that was... Yeah, I mean, my whole point is, is that people like this, these immoral gangsters, work for K-12 schools and universities. And again, um, it's very easy to fake the death of a particular person. And in this Mark Buller's case, uh, they blamed it on, again, I'm not trying to ruin the episode, I highly recommend you watch it again, but they tried to blame it on him being hit by an automobile or being in a a bicycle accident on this very uh, thin road that was remarkably busy in a very dangerous area in the middle of February, I think. So it would have been covered in snow and ice. And again, they were like, well, he was a bike rider and he loved to, to bike to work, and, and yet the place where they found him was miles and miles and miles away from his house and from where he worked. So it was beyond suspicious, but it, it, it was clearly a hit job of some kind. And uh, there you go. So whether they placed his body there or not and then made up the story after the fact, I'm not entirely sure. But either way, you would do well to understand again, as I think we all would, that these organizations do these kinds of things. And um, again, if they can't kill you, 
and they choose that, that they essentially decide that that's not the avenue they want to take, there's a thousand other ways that they can destroy you. Um, so there you go. Again, not a, not a happy note there, to say the least, but it's certainly something that does go on. Now, here's something else that occurred that, again, sort of skirted the mainstream news, certainly. Um, there, were, there was a student who was killed on LeBron James's I Promise School Campus. And this comes from TotalProSports.com. Of course, there's lots of other outlets that have this particular story. But uh, it's titled, Three Arrested for Killing Student on LeBron James-Founded I Promise School Campus. Says the family and friends of the 17 year old boy who was beaten to death near I Promise in Akron can now sleep a little easier tonight knowing that the people responsible for the death of their loved one are locked up. Ethan Limming, if I'm saying that right, uh, who was found in the parking lot near the basketball courts of the I Promise school, died during a blunt force head injury. The U.S. Marshal Service announced three men have been arrested in connection to his death. Police said Lemming and three of his friends went to the school and that members of their group apparently shot toy water gel guns at four people playing basketball on the courts at I Promise School. The players ran away as two in Lemming's group ran in, the, uh, in their direction, police said. The players then turned around, ran back, and confronted the teens at their car. A fight started, police said, with Lemming or liming, again, I'm sorry for mispronouncing it, uh, ended up being pronounced dead at the scene. WOIO reports that U.S. Marshals arrested 21-year-old Donovan Jones and 19-year-old Tyler Stratford and 20-year-old Deshaun Stratford Jr. Authorities said they tracked these three suspects to homes in the areas where they were taken into custody. Um, yeah, there you go. So, I don't follow LeBron James's tweeting by any stretch of the imagination, if he still does that. But, uh, yeah, funny how that particular story just seems to skirt uh, the mainstream. The individual who died was white. The three people who killed him were black. And there you have it. One final education-related story here, and again, this is occurring in my state, which you've heard me comment on this in the past. Huge mistake, I think. It's setting up, again, the deep state to engage in a, an actual real shooting within a school, if not, again, another fabricated one in the interest of taking guns away. But um, as of today, the Ohio Constitution now basically says that we can, uh, w- that we have constitutional carry, which, again, is great. You don't need a permit to conceal a gun now. We always had open carry, so you could carry a gun on you, but it had to be out in the open, you know, on your hip or something along those lines, or, you know, a rifle slung across your back or whatever. But um, you had to have a permit, as I have and and many Ohioans have, to carry a gun concealed. Uh, But now, of course, you don't, which, again, is a good thing. Again, where this gets real shady is not only is that now law, but DeWine has also signed a bill here that reduces the required training for teachers to carry guns in schools. And again, you've heard me bring this up before, that I'm not against 
teachers carrying guns. I'm not against uh, teachers carrying guns in their, in their automobiles. See, that right there is even something that you weren't allowed to do. If there was some nonsense sign outside in the parking lot that said gun-free zone, uh, as a school employee, you were not allowed to have a gun in your car. So I've always thought that was unconstitutional. Um, yeah, that's just, you know, that's the way that it is. But where I differ on this, and again, I know that there's a lot of people that might disagree with this, but I just think that it's setting up the stage here for some Barney Fife kind of teacher who maybe in the past wouldn't have carried a gun to now want to carry a gun. And then again, sort of flex their muscles, so to speak, uh, by, by thinking that they're there to protect people and, uh, you know, people can rely on them and come to them for help because they're carrying a gun. Uh, it's all based on a lie. That's, that's the big point, I think, is, is, again, these school shootings, by and large, are fake. The crumbly thing, again, seems real to me. Uh, even even today, it, it seems real. The pro- like I said in the past, the prosecution of, of Ethan Crumbly's parents in Michigan seems completely unconstitutional to me. But again, that's the point. The point is, is that these corrupt individuals who are running the justice system in our country are not uh, interested in the Constitution. They're interested in bending it as much as they can because ultimately they want it to break. And if they can imprison parents who had nothing to do with it, think of what they can do to actual teachers who maybe had nothing to do with it. Because again, they aren't prosecuting the counselor in that particular case in Michigan, in in the Oxford High School there. Uh, They should be. They should be criminally prosecuting the principal and in particular the counselor who failed to do their job and failed to check the bag of Ethan Crumbly. I just think that this entire thing regarding DeWine, I don't like DeWine, as, as you've heard me say, he's remarkably corrupt. Uh, one of his grandsons went to Miami University, the same school where I attended, of course, at way different times, and was allegedly um, arrested for, what was he doing? Uh, dishing out Oxycontin, a bunch of them, I believe. And at least this is what I was told, again, allegedly. But... Uh, and and he got he ended up getting off completely. He you know no consequences because old old grandpappy's the uh, the governor of Ohio. So there you have it. Um, and it may not have happened when he was governor. I don't know if it happened when he was the secretary of state or whatever else. But either way, it happened, and he was related to Dewine. So there you go. Um, I just think that this entire thing regarding guns in school and being carried by school teachers is a bad idea. Again, the vast majority won't do it. Some of them will. And then, of course, it, it brings into question what kind of a person is actually going to be doing it. You know, are they really an effective educator or are they there, uh, you know, to sort of prove another point? I'm not sure. I would just say keep an eye on this one. Don't be surprised if there's a fake shooting or a real shooting in an Ohio school here, um, either in the months or years to come. That would that would basically be my my last bit of advice on this, and it, there's really nothing else I can I can bring up about it. Uh, so there you go. Now on to uh, some jab related stuff here. There was a massive story that was bouncing around yesterday and today 
from naturalnews.com. Um, and it had to do with these blood clots that uh, embalmers are encountering among the jabbed, so to speak, that are being found to have metal particles within them. And Mike Adams was on InfoWars the other day breaking this down, and I put a bunch of the pictures in the actual article itself up on my Gab account. Uh, the pictures are wild. They're absolutely wild. It, again, they, they don't look like blood clots. They look like they are giant spider web looking things. In fact, it was described by uh, some of the individuals who were, I think, either calling into the show or Mike Adams himself, but they basically said it looks like calamari. It just looks like fried calamari. But what's interesting, too, is that you can clearly see within these photos and these microscopic photos um, the, metal, the metal particles that are within it. Again, it's shiny in particular parts and certainly looks more hard than, than, say, the rest of it. But that was bouncing around the other day. And again, uh, you know, this, this just isn't getting better. Uh, there's another article here from Natural News, and it's titled, Healthy Young People Now Dying in Mass Across Australia and the Corporate Media Still Won't Dare Mention Vaccines. Uh, yeah, because uh, again, it, they're chalking this up to sudden adult death syndrome, which is never a thing. It's actually laughable. <laughs> it's just the, the title itself is so laughable. But, you know, we're consistently hearing, too, of, of these politicians and these tyrants who are allegedly double or triple jabbed, uh, testing positive for COVID and still taking false, faulty tests and allegedly getting sick, you know, like Castro Trudeau up in Canada. Uh, same thing. And then, of course, they always seem to uh, deem it necessary to put out a tweet saying that, you know, they're double or triple jabbed and thank God that they are because, you know, the symptoms would have been way worse and X, Y, Z. I, it, it's got to be a hoax of some kind. There's no way that they actually got jabbed. There's no way Justin Castro got jabbed. Um, he's just putting it out there either as a last ditch effort to try to convince people to get jabbed, but it seems like a pretty bad method in order to get people jabbed. Like, oh gosh, <laughs> Fidel Castro's son, uh, has received these jabs and he's still getting sick. Well, I haven't had mine. I'd better go out and get them today. I mean, what, what person is going to actually do that? And I would like to meet that person and slap them. But, uh, yeah. So there, there's that. Here, here's the next thing I'd like to do. I want to read a couple of emails from a listener of the podcast, and I appreciate them reaching out to me. Very kind email uh, regarding the podcast, and I'm glad that they're listening. And I asked him, I said, hey, look, can I read this email that you sent back to me? Because it's, it's really, uh, it's heartbreaking. And, um, but, but again, informative to say the least. They said, absolutely read the whole thing. So I'm going to read the last two emails that they sent me here. They said the following. They said, uh, quote, uh, just skimmed through that disability article, the one that I, I mentioned in the last episode. They said, it's real. Um, they said, quote, my neighbor's wife has been in a wheelchair for two to three months now. The whole house is boosted, including the young kids. Once the family found out we were unvaccinated, they stopped talking to us, so I can't get the whole story about the wheelchair. Apparently, we are a danger to their health. Shit's crazy out there. And I responded back, yeah, that's wild. 
I said, uh, you know, can I read that? And they said, sure. And then they ended up sending me this in response. They said, uh, yes, you can share all of it. I feel I should be starting a journal or something. Absolutely. In fact, just regarding that line, just as a reminder, um, I, I did start a journal and it's been published. And like I've, I've mentioned on the previous episodes, uh, only a couple of times, I think, but I published what's called the Storm Series. And Amazon deleted half of the books in this series. There's 14 total um, in, in this series. But back in March of 2020, I said, I know what's coming here. This isn't going to go away. We're going to witness something in our lifetime that we've never witnessed before. And that's when I started to chronicle exactly what was going on in the news and anonymous posts that were being made on Vote, which was, again, an online chat forum that was really ahead of the curve on a lot of issues. And uh, yeah, so if anybody's interested again in checking that out, it's on my website, AmericanEducationFM.com. But the journal thing is a great idea, and I hope that people have done that and, and have kept uh, some record of what's going on here, because that was, that was my point with the Storm series, was I wanted a historic archive of what was actually going on. So their email continues. Uh, it says, quote, my uncle also has some strange things going on, which sounds like a appendicitis, but it's on the wrong side. Uh, he's four shots in. My wife's uncle, who is much older, also has a blood clot in his brain. Uh, he's another one that we aren't allowed over to their house because we are un unvaccinated. So I can't get the whole story or timeline of the shots. He's four shots in as well at this point, but the blood clot would have been around three. Wow. Uh, it continues, it says, it's all very sad with the neighbors. The kids leave the house masked and wait for the bus masked. Um, they keep the masks on all day, including outdoor track and field events. I don't know for sure what's going on with the wife, but remember when the shots were available for the 5 to 11-year-olds, they couldn't wait to get them in there. So we would assume everyone in there is boosted at this point. I don't have the type of relationship with them to walk over and hand them the Pfizer documents with sections highlighted. In fact, they are new to the neighborhood, and the first thing out of the husband's mouth when I met him was that I hit his wife's car with a pine cone while mowing my lawn. Wow. So we got some uptight people, clearly. Uh, I tell you what, the brainwashing is astounding, too. It continues, it says, you can't make this stuff up. The second encounter, he pretty much accused me of stealing property, which proved to be false after he paid for a survey, which revealed we owned much more, that we owned much more than we thought. Late last year, my kid asked their kid to play in our yard after school, and the first thing out of their kid's mouth was asking our vaccination status. My kid said, no, we aren't. And that was the end of that. Uh, we suspect that the child told the parents, and that's pretty much the last time they talked to me. In fact, they go out of their way to avoid me, which is somewhat comical at this point. I don't know if praying will be enough for these types of people, although I know I should try. Unquote. Absolutely incredible. Again, that kind of stuff is is exactly what I lay out in in the storm books these these stories matter um 
they have to be brought up. You know, you've heard me mention a lot of these things over the over the course of of the existence of this podcast, but I mean, I'll never forget again walking into the hardware store Menards with my mom and we were looking for lights for outside of their house, like those sconces, you know, that attach to the to the house. And everybody was wearing a mask. Again, this was, I'd say, April of 2020. Everybody was masked up. Um, we were not, and we're never going to be. And Menards, of all of the places, was arguably one of the more harsh companies that took a hard line on the masks and the distancing and all of it. And we were starting to watch this just play out in real time, and it was, it was frightening. They were, for the very first time ever that I'd ever heard, they were playing again. Keep in mind, this was April of 2020. They were playing recorded loops of people over the PA system in, in the entire store saying things like, please stay away from each other and uh, social distance and do not cough or sneeze. If you feel ill, leave the store. I mean, it was, it was bizarre. It was 1984 to the bone. And again, people walking around with like bandanas over their faces like they're in the Old West. It was, it was weird. Um, but it's, it's, I mean, it's experiences like that that you're just never going to forget. The brainwashing, just immediately watching everybody just take the bait. And again, these people that have kids that are lining their children up for this slaughter is, um, is beyond awful. It's just beyond awful. They don't know what they've done. And, uh, yeah, I, I, it's, it's heartbreaking. But if, again, if you're ever interested in emailing me and, and sending me stories like that, please do. I'll read them on the show. You know, th th this is, this is important stuff. Again, it has to be brought up so that we know that we're not crazy. It reaffirms what we know to be true. All of that matters and is remarkably important. And again, that was that was the point of the Storm Series books. Again, I, I chronicled what was going on on a quite literal day-in and day-out basis for an entire year. In fact, just over a year. I started, I started that book series in, um, in March of 2020, toward the end of March, and I ended it on Easter Sunday in 2021. I said, I've, I've got to put this down eventually because I'll just end up, you know, I'll just keep going and I'll just keep writing or not writing. But again, I was, I, it's a compilation book. So I was taking other anonymous posts from countless people and, and putting them in, in, in this book in chronological order. And it just is a mind bending education without a doubt. So uh, in fact, I think that Menard story is in one of the volumes. So there you go. But I was, I, I'm shocked. I, I just continue to be blown away as, as to the number of people that just bought into this. Because again, where I live, almost everybody took the bait. And I know that there are other places where people didn't. Um, and, and maybe they were, you know, you were looking around and you were seeing that not everybody was wearing the mask and not everybody was distancing and not everybody was taking the bait. But man, where I live, a lot of people did. Again, red county, red state. You know, that, that, that doesn't mean anything. Those, uh, those color titles, politically speaking, mean absolutely nothing. Brainwashed is brainwashed any way you slice it. And uh, you can easily find out who watches television and who does not. And it's, it's just too damn bad.
But again, if you if anybody has any stories like that and you want to email me uh, those stories, please do. Like I said, I'll read them on the show 100% of the time. Um, they're just remarkable. Okay. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to wrap this episode up right now. I know it's a little shorter here. It's, it's, we're about 32 minutes in. Um, I'm exhausted, frankly, because uh, today I was chopping down a tree in my neighbor's yard. And I, I was running the chainsaw, and I decided that apparently today was the day that I was going to exercise my love-hate relationship with chainsaws. But I can, I can firmly say that the chainsaw I was using today was absolutely fantastic. In fact, we had a big storm go through the other night, and uh, a third of this massive tree in their backyard completely fell over and landed right on the power lines in between the properties and, and ripped the power lines out of the roof. And uh, yeah, and, and the tree, the, a third of it landed on the ground, and it's a massive tree. It's been there for a very decades and decades. Um, but there you go. So I was on chainsaw duty. Anywho, with that said, uh, have a great week. Continue to have a great week, ladies and gentlemen, and I'll catch you on Friday, I'm sure, with a little bit longer episode. So take care. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.